What's up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we are talking all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm Ian. And along with Paul in the newsroom, join us as we bumble our way through the gaming industry. So pop the kettle on, grab a brew, and let's get on with today's episode. Indeedy, indeedy. Before we do get on to our main subject, how are you this week, Ian? I believe this is the first week that you have been free of your previous job. I'm good. It's stressful, I think is the word. I'm trying to juggle a new job, a placement for college, college, and leaving the old job, as well as hobbies and just personal time to not curl up and die. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it's been relaxing but stressful. Nice, nice. Well, it's good that you're out of the previous job because I know you wanted out of that, and it's good that you'll be starting the new job soon, I believe it is. Nice. Well, when this goes out, it will be that that week. Yeah, nice. Not long then, not long. But use your week wisely. Have you been uh, playing any games this previous week? Not particularly. Um, I have a new game. I've literally picked it up this afternoon. I have a bootload in my car of Zombicide 2nd Edition. But yeah, I've got base game, all the Kickstarter exclusives, um the two main expansions and a few cool extra accessories on the side, including plastic cars. Nice. Very nice. I know you've been waiting for that one a fair while, haven't you? Yeah. I couldn't even remember if we'd ordered that bit. One of my friends helped me out. I paid her to um, do the Kickstarter when I was short on cash. So yeah, shout out to her. Um, But yeah, it was nice to actually guarantee that one because again, maybe it's a topic for another day, but, different publishers especially when it comes to things like kickstarter have reputations for all or nothing when it comes to extras from buying from retail or buying through a kickstarter mm. yeah and call me not definitely one of those um go big or go home people when it comes to their kickstarters yeah and so, with their prices as well true <laughs> so there is a there is a lot i'm gonna end up needing to paint and test and play and it also comes with a load of upgrade kits for my old stuff so Zombicide is now officially definitely the biggest game I own by a country mile well we'll try and make sure that we get it to the table uh, a bit more often than it used to to be fair because it's a gaming table (laughs) speaking of gaming table actually I've finally finally managed to clear off my gaming table at my house and Looking over at it at the moment, I actually have Earth Rising set up for a solo play. I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to actually playing this. So I will hopefully be able to have people over for gaming literally as soon as we're allowed to. So I think the first day that they say we're, we're allowed people in, in the houses, you can expect an invite from me and saying we need to get some serious <laughs> gaming action in. And I'll see how free I am. Because <laughs> <laughs> it has been too damn long. Far too long. But yeah, so anything else been going on with you? As I said, it's all just a, a big jumble at the moment, gearing up to three weeks of intense training for the new job and trying to balance work-life ratio going forward. Yeah, it's just been strange. I'm looking forward to a little bit more structure in my life in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> May is just going to become a blur. <laughs> well, just look forward to it. You know, there, there's good things to come out of this. So, yeah. Right. That's that's enough about what we've been doing. How about we jump into our main subject? Yeah. So this week's going to be an interesting one for us. 
um, we've been having a few discussions generally about the perception of a gamer and the stereotypes, the labels that all come through come through with it all and whether they still apply and how much it's evolved. Yeah. So yeah, t- tabletop gaming has kind of been at the forefront really of all the stereotypes, you know, the quote unquote nerds, the geeks, the hermits, you know, and, and all of the various different types of people that follow those particular stereotypes. I mean, even sitcoms have been made out of it. You know, Big Bang Theory is pretty much the premise of a geeky, nerdy gamer group. Yeah. You know, not solely on that, but when you ask people what they think of a gamer, that's probably their first go-to. Mm, yeah. And it sort of really gets us thinking because are those stereotypes really justified or even true in the year 2021? So it's time for us to really discuss it because I know my feelings on it. I'm pretty sure you're probably going to be the same. So let's start with the question, what stereotype, you know, what do you imagine when you say the people I met at a gaming group, they were like dot, dot, dot. I I would be willing to bet for the average person that you speak to and you ask them that question, they are going to be imagining that horrible stereotype of an acne ridden teenager wearing super thick glasses, unfashionable clothing. They're probably overweight or the complete opposite at super skinny. They get picked on by the cool kids and get above average grades in their studies. They spend their free time huddled in the corner of a darkened room watching sci-fi movies. And it's it's horrible. It is a horrible stereotype. And unfortunately, they're not going to be going away anytime soon um, as much as the world is trying to get that way. We all know that stereotypes never represent the full truth, do they? No. I mean, another good example of, of stereotypes in general was how this topic even came about. We were looking at, at doing this under the label of nerds. Mm. And it got me discussing, you know, there are more labels put upon us as board gamers and card gamers and enthusiasts on that sort of front. Even the word enthusiast. If you were to ask me to stereotype just that word, it takes me to things like train spotters and plane spotters, not just in general of someone interested in something, you know, yeah, yeah. it takes me to the derogatory stereotypes. And when we were looking at this as just labeling things as nerds, I genuinely thought, one, it's a little bit derogatory anyway. Two, it, it now reminds it down to a specific stereotype and not the whole thing in general. Yeah. And we even had a little bit of a discussion about that before starting this, so just quite you know where we lie on it and you know how much of this is real and how much of this is an actual problem yeah and the weird thing is like i joke about it with people like that i am a proud nerd i'm a proud geek but i don't even know if i would fall in that set that stereotype because if you actually read you know what those stereotypes are i don't theoretically fall in them however i'm proud to say that i'm a nerd or a geek because of the fact that i like things like tabletop gaming i like pc gaming you know i like trains i like planes you know i like all of those stereotypical things that a standard nerd geek you know anorak i think is is one that i've heard one. many many years ago and i don't care you know i'm very proud to fall into all of those categories but why are tabletop games associated with 
stereotypes. I think some of it comes down to the evolution of the world itself, which we'll come back to a little bit later. You know, acceptance is probably going to be the theme of today. Oh, yes. More than anything else. You know, stereotypically, back in the day, to enjoy these sort of things, you had to be a nerd or the outcasts or anything like that. I know growing up in school, I was definitely bundled into that cliche and that click of the nerdy kids in the corner. And then so we lived up to it. You know, like even like even in sixth form, when you've got things like the common rooms, are you allowed to go and use the empty classrooms? Me and my mates grab a load, of, grab a card game, wander off into one of the empty classrooms we knew was available, and that would be us done for the next hour. Mm, yeah, and I was exactly the same. Yeah, when when I was at school, as I've said many times on here, my school ran chess clubs, it ran Warhammer clubs. I regularly attended the Warhammer club and. You'd never see the quote-unquote cool kids at a club like that, but it makes me laugh now because I'm still in contact with a lot of the people I went to school with, including the so-called cool kids, and it makes me laugh because they are now tabletop gamers, pretty much all of them. So, yeah. Brings me back to my point of the evolution of the world in, you know, and what's deemed acceptable and wasn't. Another good subject to take along this line is the world of cosplay. Back when um, I was in late teens, early 20s, if you dressed up as something like Spider-Man and went out in public, you'd get ridiculed, ridiculed if not beaten up. Oh, yeah. Now And nowadays, people join in. You know, you get you know large groups of us going to do it when you're allowed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say, though, the main reason I think tabletop games are associated with those stereotypes is because of the perception. And I am going to say the word perception because for fairly obvious reasons that we can discuss, it's not guaranteed. It's the perception that board games and tabletop games are like so intellectual that only the smartest of the smart, the people that are are getting those high grades at school can actually play them. And I think we prove on this podcast over and over again that that's just not the case. Yeah. And, you know, some people think you have to be things like smart and everything but board gaming has become one of the biggest growing markets at the moment you you know because that acceptance of a good night out i've mentioned that i've harped on about this time and time again on this podcast you know the acceptance of a good night out doesn't mean you have to come get drunk every weekend now yeah you know people like dinner parties people think things like that often it would have been something like a deck of cards that might come out or something on a you know on a night like that or a film now a, game, a proper board game is added into the mix because people don't just think a board game means Monopoly, Cluedo, mm. uh, Connect Four, or anything like that. You know, something like Pandemic. You crack that out with a group of people, you know, and that can, you know, different games are that different every time. So you can get like three or four nights of that, you know, over a few months or a few weeks, and people will still enjoy it. Yeah. So that's now becoming normal. Yeah. Yeah. Quote, unquote, normal, of course. Yeah, <laughs> normal is a concept anyway, that there is, and there is really no normal. Exactly. Yeah, it leads to the question, do you have to be smart to play board games? Well, without even even saying a thing, I am proof that that is not the case. I am not a smart person. I didn't do particularly well in school. So I immediately don't fall into any of those you know, stereotypes because I wasn't a kid that did really well. I didn't do well in my studies. At the end of the day, people have... Again, it's going with the stereotypes. Stereotype nerd plays board game. Stereotype board game at that point as well is 
big, complex, humongous, six-hour-long, you know, epic game, you know, something like Twilight Imperium or something like that, instead of a half-hour lockabout game, you know, like Downforce, mm. or party games like Cards Against Humanity yeah. or yeah. Trial by Trolley, you know, they're absolutely humongously um, catapulting in popularity. Yeah. Sometimes it's detriment because the market is absolutely flooded with the damn things now. Yeah. But there are some still good ones out there. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you know where to look. I think at this point, has the perception of those stereotypes actually changed in in the culture? And I think Ian touched on it already. You know, you use the example of walking around the street in a Spider-Man costume and people joining in. There's so many things that you could actually attribute that to. But one of the key ones is the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. There was a time where superheroes, cartoons, comic books were all seen as childhood interests that only nerds, geeks and the such would actually stay interested in beyond school. Yet now the MCU has some of the biggest grossing movies of all time. And TV series as well. Exactly. And even manages to touch on subjects like we are today of acceptance and stereotyping and outcasting from it all. Yeah. You know, and it's those symbols that are ever changing and what they stand for that is changing the landscape around us. You know, it's the acceptance of of everything. You know, no longer... you, You think... This time, a hundred years ago, it was illegal to be gay. Yeah, you know, it's it's simple things like that—the complete change and turnaround in a hundred years of what we were to what we are now—and that's mm. always evolving. And you know, not to compare board gaming to something as huge as that. Mm. Yeah, but we are in an ever-changing landscape where things like silly things like Big Bang Theory again is the easiest example, but nerdy sort of tv shows and that or taking you know like mcu dc universe um star wars star trek all of these becoming more popular and more acceptable because no one's frightened to be outcasted for liking them anymore yeah and as a result these you know these programs and these cultures are starting to realize that run with it and then add stuff in to try and draw a bigger audience you know, I know I keep harping on about it, but the whole reason I keep picking on Big Bang Theory is things like making things like Dungeons and Dragons and board gaming and that they play on the thing of it being the outcasty nerdy things to do. Yeah. And then they get normal people involved doing it. You know, and that's you know, that's where the interest lies. I mean, YouTube as well has a huge amount to to play a role to play in this. Look at um Dungeons and Dragons popularity with critical role. Yeah. It was just an, one happened to be one of those groups of people, you know, playing it that's now skyrocketed into a full blown production thing of a group. You know, those that weren't celebrities in that group before definitely are now, and people queue up for hours to just meet them. Yeah, yeah, and it would be a miss for us to not to mention one of Paul's inspirations in um, the Star Trek actor Will Wheaton. You know, yeah. he he made his own YouTube side of things for board games, you know, which only adds to the normalization of this hobby. You know, the fact that, Oh, well, there's someone famous playing a modern board game. Oh, maybe this is cool now. 
you know, granted he was still a, a sort of sci-fi actor, but an actor who is in the mainstream bringing this kind of things to a screen, it does, it, it, it speaks volumes. Yeah. There's a reason that everything in this world is, you know, if a company wants to sell something or they want to promote something, they use influencers, you know, we at social media influencers, celebrity influencers, influencers have so much to do with actually selling stuff. They have so much influence. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I, I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> but yeah, they are responsible for so much of, you know, so many sales, so much subscriptions, you know. I've, I've seen a gaming company. This is actually going to be funny because I'm now going to turn this on its head to a massive negative from this. Mm. But I've actually, you know, I, I don't play it so much, but I follow the MT, the Magic the Gathering community quite quite a lot. Um, I follow two or three different YouTubers. I watch a lot of their content and thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and they have like a content program on YouTube to promote the game and, you know, funding set aside for that. And they have just done a colossal shakeup of that because they focused on influencers to try and pull new people into the game. Yeah. But in the process of basically put the middle finger up to all of those that have kept the game going and alive, mm. saying we don't need to worry about you guys anymore. We want the new person to come play our new online version of this game. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so but it shows the power of an influencer mm. that someone who has no interest in that game at all from beforehand will get paid an extortionate amount of money because they know they'll get millions of people getting exposure to that game and will guarantee a large percentage of that will at least give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Um and you know, like I said we we're using the the uh example of Will Wheaton. There are countless celebrities I think now that are actually coming out of the woodwork. You know, I I always think back to South Park. They've done quite a few episodes at this point that have been dedicated to board gaming, tabletop gaming and all right, yeah, South Park may take the mickey out of it, but I can actually say that Trey Parker and Matt Stone are actually fanatical tabletop gamers, and yep. they don't hide that fact. You know, anyone who likes wrestling will know names like The Big Show, Samoa Joe. They're all fanatical tabletop gamers. They play Dungeons & Dragons. They stream their games. You know, these are all people in the limelight showing off the wonderful hobby that we all love and just bringing it into the mainstream is why it's, I, I, th I mean, that's another reason that it's probably become so popular in the last 10, 15 years. Yep. I mean, I want to tackle another stereotype that comes up with all of this. Um, again, a, 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 akin to both nerds and gaming in general is the gender balance. Yes. Um, the fact that the stereotype of girls don't play board games. Mm. That is utter rubbish. Yeah. For one, I met my girlfriend pretty much through gaming. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but two, I can remember this with um, one of our members. Um, he spent ages trying to convince his partner to come down. And I think she was under the impression that we were the big Neanderthal cavemen that grunted at each other, smelled bad, yeah. you know, and um, out on one of the walks with some of my friends from one of the gaming groups, she realized we bumped into my friend and his wife 
so she got introduced to us all and when he when he said where he knew us from you know there was that clear realization of wait these are just normal people yeah you know and we're not big scary um ogres hiding under a bridge sort of thing yeah we're just normal well i'm actually no normal's definitely the wrong word here but we're just regular joe vlogs people yeah that have a um a particular hobby yeah that we all share yeah shared hobby that we all have a big passionate interest in yeah yeah and again to to sort of add to the the stereotype and the shock value you know i've had people turn up at my monday night gaming club in the past you know and they've turned up i've got my mohican all the way up with its you know luminous colors of whatever color it happens to be that week and this week it's red this week it's red next week it's blue (laughs) the week after it's pink you know it changes all the time but turning up and sort of being taken back by the fact that i'm not you know someone who falls into that category i'm i just look scary yeah i look scary i don't (laughs) look the part i don't look like you know generally you think of a nerd or a geek and you're thinking easy pickings for the bully i'm kind of visually i will say i'm visually the opposite He's visually a grizzly bear, but deep down he's just a nice squidgy teddy bear. Exactly. Winnie, po- Winnie the Pooh is my close cousin. <laughs> this is so staying in, otherwise you're in trouble. <laughs> Got it in the podcast, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I-, I think back to horrible, horrible dark times where gamers had to go to specialist, friendly local game stores down a dark alley to be able to buy their games and you know yet now i can go to my local supermarket and there'll be some on the shelves granted they're not all the best games known to man but they're selling modern board games in supermarkets and amazon and there's only one reason they would do that and that is because they as a company have realized the money is there to be made it's popular enough that they have given up valuable shelf space in order to sell games yep you know good example is tesco's this year they were selling the jaws board game the top gun board game and i know briefly they did a point at trying to sell magic and even then you look in the american market you every single target walmart they have an entire dedicated tcg shelf you know and a board game section too yeah and even to the point that target and walmart themselves now do their own limited edition versions of games yeah, because they know how popular they are. And bring it back over to our shores. You know, um, uh, not we've got one in our local area anymore, but the game stores, they have a whole board gaming section now. Not that it's particularly big, but it did include a Games Workshop exclusive last year because mm-hmm. me and you were um, chatting about it, you know, yeah. whether it was good or bad or not, or the year before rather. But, yeah. you know, it, it, was a, it wasn't much. It was just a little like... I suppose dumbed down version of Games Workshop really is a little board game, but it was still impressive to see that it was an exclusive that wasn't even sold in the Games Workshop store around the corner. Yeah, agreed. I got one other example as well of the differences and the changing in perception of gaming. Um, obviously, I've had the luxury of playing one particular game for 20 years now, and that's Pokemon. I can still remember going into one of my older jobs, you know, and obviously when you're working day to day with an office of like three or four people, they get to know you especially as i was going off to different tournaments and stuff so it's funny how how the conversation always went and the perception always changed just throughout half hour conversation 
of starting with oh my god you play a kids game you know that was mm, the standard yeah. bear in mind these are all older people than me you know like the generation gap side of things then there was the interest in so what do you actually do so i try to give a dumbed down version of what i'm actually you know what the game does and that it's more than just stuff you buy for your kids it's yeah. one of the people there used to buy them for his son you know then i tell them about how many friends i've made through it all and what I've won, you know, with my accomplishments of going to um, Hawaii and being a European champion, stuff like that, you know, and what that meant to me, what that meant to other people, and what I actually physically product-wise won from it. Yeah. And it sort of goes around in a full circle to actually acceptance by the end of it of, okay, there's more to this than just, oh my God, you like a kid's game. Mm. You know, and it's that same sort of thing. I kind of feel like in general the stereotype has done the same thing. It's like, oh my God, you like Star Wars or you like superheroes. You're just one big kid. I am a big kid. I'm proud of that. Yeah. You know, that's not going to change. But, you know, there's more to these things than just, oh, I like them because I'm a child. I don't, you know, I like them because I'm an adult and I like them what they stand for and my beliefs and my values. Yeah. Um, You know, and the empowerment that gives to me, you know, it's the same with doing something like cosplay. There's so many things to that. You know, when you put on that uniform, whether it be like a suit of Iron Man armor or a Spider-Man costume or something, one, you become that person. You know, you look down, you see a kid's face light up when you come around the corner because they're seeing their idols. But then you see an adult's face light up as well because you've got the guts, A, to do that, and B, because they enjoy seeing it as much as a child does. Yeah. You know, and it's what these symbols mean to people. And that's just a big, strong thing for me, you know, and um, it doesn't matter what we're doing and how passionate I, I get about my hobby. You know, these are the things, these are the reasonings, I think, for me deep down why I do it, what I do. Yep. And I will say at this point, anyone who disagrees with uh, with people being proud about, you know, playing tabletop games, Vin Diesel plays Dungeons and Dragons. I dare you to go and say to his face that he's a, he's a nerd or a geek, you know. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. He managed to get paid for going, I am Groot, several times oh, through yes. several films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just, you know, that's one of the things about really where this this conversation, you know, this, this topic's gone. At the end of the day, it boils down to acceptance. Mm. The world is a changing place and the world is becoming more accepting. And I think one of the first, at least for me, one of the first places I noticed acceptance being a real thing was the gaming community Mm. you know you go down to our local gaming group you've got most religions most races most um gender backgrounds you know and no one bats an eyelid you can be who you want to be as long as you don't force others to follow in the same suit everyone's accepting and gets on fine no one looks at you different we're all people yeah and that's the key thing. That's the biggest thing for me. And if anything goes wrong, you've got a million and one people holding you back up and picking you back up off the floor, you know, to get you back on track and support you. And that's one of the things that I'm proudest of, of this community. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree. The community around gaming is one of the best I think I've ever been part of in any hobby that I've had or, or in any, anything I've ever done. The community around this is hands down, or head and shoulders above everyone else uh, or every other community. I, I would really hope that this community will continue to go onward and upward at the rate that it is. Um, I would like to see the actual game companies following suit. 
but that's a discussion for for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the original question: Is there a problem in the gaming industry anymore with stereotypes, and where do we think this is going from here? I do think there is still a problem uh, with the fact that the stereotypes are still there. As I said at the outset to this, I don't see stereotypes disappearing anytime soon. It's a horrible, ugly thing that I I like to think that one day we'll be rid of. And that's with everything, you know, stereotypes for, for gender, stereotypes for gamers, stereotypes, you know, stereotypes for everything. Yep. I would love to see it gone, but I also face the fact that it probably won't be, but I, I like the fact that we are continuing to move towards that, that goal. But really, I think now the question that we should be asking has changed. I think the question after what we've had this discussion here today is, are those stereotypes, you know, actually the new normal? Because the supposed normal people, I am doing air quotes at this point, the supposed normal people are actually the ones that are now becoming gamers as well. The gamers and the quote-unquote normal people are becoming one. So have have those stereotypes disappeared? There is a chance that possibly they have, but they still linger somewhere in a dark corner. The stereotypes would always be there because there will always be people that live up to the stereotypes. You know, it's little things, you know, and there are always going to be people that aren't accepting of every culture, every background. And again, that's those people's issues. It's not the group as a whole and it's no individual thing. But for as long as that's all there and as long as there's inequality in the balance of all of these things, it's always going to be an issue. But it's about how we as people choose to tackle those things and how we want to join them and i know from my personal experience the gaming communities we have at least in our local area of as you said earlier the most accepting people we have yeah and i I, i'm proud to be part of that yeah and i think as long as we do our part um and all your you know the gaming community around the world always does their part in being as accepting as they have been and and more so you know there's net there's no such thing as stopping when it comes to acceptance you know right now we, we accept everyone well you know let's accept even more yep. you know how can you accept more than everyone i don't know but we'll find a way that's what we have to do we need to work to a point when people don't see anyone other than others other than individuals yeah because that's what we all are yeah exactly yeah all individuals we are all human i think that's the one thing that literally every single person shares is we are human yep. So, yeah. Wow. Nice and deep. (laughs) Deep topic, man. (laughs) True. On that note. (laughs) Yes. And uh, on that note, I think we should hand over to our newsman. Now, Paul actually does tend to spend most of his time indoors, but it's not through his own choice. Um, It's because we lock him in the shed so that he brings you news every single week. So, yeah. (laughs) Over to you, Paul. Hello, my meeples. Oh, you sound cheerful. What's up? Oh, what research have you been up to? Oh, you heard the news, did you? And who said you were invited? Well, you'll have to go and ask Jason then, won't you? You've got a really good idea, have you? And what's that for? A top five, really? And that's for... Yeah, not so sure about that. But I'll ask him for you anyway. Yeah, I'm sure it would be incredibly funny, but some of them are quite rude. 
Okay, okay, I'll ask him. Can we get the news done first? Yeah, cheers for that. A few weeks ago, we brought you the story that Asmodee recently acquired the browser-based board gaming platform Board Game Arena, the site which includes big-name games such as Carcassonne, Seven Wonders, Jaipur, and more recently Skull, has announced another light-entry game to enter into the arena, which is Splendor. Splendor from Space Cowboys has you play it as a renaissance gem dealer trying to acquire 15 victory points by swapping their gems tactically. It's it's a popular game and one that truly owns the title of a gateway game and given how quick it is it's one which you will find yourself reaching out for to play time time again and now it's available on board game arena and whilst that's exciting in itself there's also news of a tournament from wednesday may the 5th to Sunday, May the 23rd, a tournament will be hosted on Board Game Arena and streamed through Trick Track, with the winner receiving a bespoke noble title and portrait drawn by the game's illustrator Pascal Quidart. In addition, all finalists in the tournament will receive an assortment of Space Cowboy board games. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to Board Game Arena and sign up. Next up, Don Eskridge, the designer behind social deduction game The Resistance, is making a collection of free hand games to be released over the coming year. Hand Games 21 is a project started by Eskridge alongside artist Zach Edsvog, who has previously illustrated for tabletop titles such as the sci-fi-themed board game Impulse, as well as designing their own role-playing game, Ark, a game about the end. Don and Zach have the aim of creating exactly 21 social games designed to be played using the player's hands. Described by Eskridge as a passion project, they were devised in the middle of last year. Hand Games 21 currently includes a total of seven games, each only requiring the participants' hands to play. The collection features titles such as Cash and Slash, a party game in which two to ten players stand in a circle and show either a one, two or three on both hands, with the aim being to choose a higher number on your left hand than the adjacent player's right, and also Wrist War that sees two players attempting to grab their rival's wrist while keeping their other arm behind their own back. The collection also includes a social deduction game for two to eight players called I'm Good that has players deciding whether they're good or bad by choosing to keep their eyes closed or open during the first phase of the game. Afterwards, Players then discuss who they think is good or bad before pointing to whoever they want out of the group. This continues until a majority of either team is left in the game. The Hand Games 21 collection can be found on the series website, with players able to read the necessary rules from each picture and begin playing immediately. The remaining titles in the collection will be released throughout the year, with Eskridge hinting at a Hand Games 22 should the current Hand Games 21 project be successful. A classic expansion for Catan, Treasures, Dragons and Adventures is finally seeing an English language release this year. Originally released in 2009 and only in German, Catan Treasures, Dragons and Adventures is an expansion for the family board game that contains six different scenarios that require the main game, as well as the Seafarers and Cities and Knights expansions. Catan Treasures, Dragons and Adventures expansion was then launched in Dutch 
Polish and Chinese languages in 2017 by Cosmos, but until now it has not seen an English language release. The Catan expansion, which sees players fighting dragons and hunting for loot on the smaller islands around the game board, will include an additional 12 new terrain hexes for players to use when constructing their board, which will be a mixture of forests, hills, pastures, fields and mountains, 2 frame pieces, 16 cities, 20 treasure tokens, 9 canal pieces and 12 alternative number tokens. Also featured are a collection of 19 dragons designed to be used alongside the 6 previously mentioned scenarios, which were once only accessible via digital means. Catan, originally known as Settlers of Catan, is a board game for 3-4 to four players set on a newly discovered island filled with resources. As rival bands of settlers, the players must compete to build the largest settlements and towns, as well as the most connected networks of roads. Depending on where players place their settlements, they'll be able to collect valuable resources every turn, as long as the dice roll in their favour, which they can then use to construct different buildings or invest in their development. If players are struggling to obtain the resources they need, they can choose to trade with their opponents. What is traded and how much of it is entirely dependent on what the two players agree upon. Whichever player gathers 10 points first is named the winner. The English language version of Catan, Treasures, Dragons and Adventures is set to be released by Catan Studio, the publisher responsible for launching the core title, in July at a retail price of £33 or $47. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding now, and all three of these games are currently on Kickstarter. First game up is The Backyard of Frutabarja by Nomo Sapiens. It's for 2-4 to four players, takes 30-90 to 90 minutes to complete. It's for 10 years and over, and it ends on Wednesday, May the 26th. Some little gnomes want to start their life as business landlords in the backyard of Frutabarja, but a monster living there is trying to scare off all your clients with dirt. Players must work as a team to keep the board clean, but at the same time they're trying to create new businesses and obviously earn some money. The winner is determined by scoring points and reaching goals, but all players lose if the Blordo covers the backyard with dirt. Originally designed back in 2016 to teach teens and kids to be socially responsible entrepreneurs with all the common risks and challenges associated with that. The next few years has seen it being modified to a level where it's easy enough to be played by the whole family and involves enough strategy for those more hardcore players. The game features a pseudo pressure cooker mechanic in that you are all competing against one another but have a common goal to meet or you will all lose together. Couple that with a catch up mechanic for those players lagging behind and you have a well-balanced and comedic adventure for the whole family and the board game is open for pledges at £28. Next up is Hoverdome Red Canyon Run by Michael Zumo. It's for 2-6 to six players, takes 30-60 to 60 minutes to complete, it's for ages 8 years and over and it ends on Monday May the 31st. Welcome to the Hoverdome, you are an elite battle racer ready to crush the competition using your next-gen Hovertech. The Hoverdome is configured into its infamous Martin track, the Red Canyon Run. Outmaneuver your rivals through deadly curves and tricky shortcuts, dodge a vicious arsenal of power-ups and turrets, unleash your own brand of hell, all the while keeping your bike in top form and at optimal speeds. 
unleashing maximum firepower, dominate with strategy and claim your victory. Each turn provides interesting choices of movement, defense and offense. Simple dynamics create rich strategic options to master and the fast-paced gameplay scales with simple rule changes to keep the fun for families with children to adult gamer groups. Pledge levels for the base game are at £48 or $65. There are additional pledge levels which include t-shirts and name mentions within the game. And lastly on crowdfunding this week is Rotator by Vadim. It's for one player and takes from hours to days to play. It's for 14 years and over and ends on Tuesday, June the 29th. Do you remember the classic Choose Your Own Adventure books from Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone? Then Rotator may be the Kickstarter for you. Rotator Part 1 Space Vortices is the first edition of a graphic gamebook about the adventures of Captain C.J. Moran and pilot Bree Miller. Between the years of 2050 and 2200, programs for the exploration and colonization of Mars and Venus have been well underway but failing miserably, meaning the overpopulation of Earth is reaching critical levels. In 2078, a small black hole is discovered at the edge of the universe. The black hole is then used as the solar system's dumping ground for all its radioactive, biological and mechanical waste being thrown through. In 2093 and due to prison overcrowding, criminals sentenced to capital punishment are also sent through in capsules. 2200 sees a battle beside the black hole, but the gravitational forces drag an MOD assault ship through. You are on board that ship. What is beyond the event horizon? Discover more with Rotator. The game can last from one hour to several days and you can always start where you left off. The gameplay is easily paused using a branded bookmark. Version 1 is the desktop version. This contains a hardcover book along with a wooden organizer that contains all the necessary and varied components you could ever want for battles at the gaming table. And version 2 is portable with a paperback book. You will get a branded notebook for taking notes, a pencil and a pair of dice. This version is more compact so enjoying gameplay will be comfortable anywhere on a train, playing in the back seat of a car, at a picnic or while taking a quick snack. In addition, each version will include our illustrated thanks, a personal reward for your support of our project. Pledge levels for the version 1 come in at £48 or €55. Euros. And for the version 2, which is the paperback version, it's just £22 or €25. Euros. And just a quick mention, remember Earth Rising? 20 years to transform our world from our friends over at Stop, Drop and Roll is still on Kickstarter and as of recording is approaching a third of its funding goal. If you like the look of it and want to try it out, you can via Tabletop Simulator and Screentop, the browser-based gaming platform. Both links are over on the Kickstarter campaign page, so pop on over, give it a try and hopefully give them your support. And we're on to events, and we've got an online event coming up on the weekend of the 14th, 15th and 16th of May. And that's an online convention hosted by the Meeps and Peeps gaming community called MeepCon. Meeps and Peeps is an online gaming community of over 950 enthusiasts who play games via Board Game Arena, Tabletopia, Tabletop Simulator and Severanti, as well as plenty of discussion over on their dedicated Discord server. And they have MeepCon, and as well as playing games all weekend, they'll have chats with designers, content creators and hobbyists all over on their Discord server. 
So if you fancy taking part, then pop over to playwithmeeps.com to sign up for the convention or to just join the community. Apart from that, there are our local groups, according to Dave over at Trinity Gaming Cafe and Lewis Board Game Club via their Facebook feed. Last week's evening event had a good attendance. We hope this continues again this week. Remember, restrictions remain in place on numbers, so you need to book online before attending. It's just £3 a head, with a tuck shop style food available, and they're welcoming all abilities. So that's every Thursday night from 7.30 till 11.30 at the Trinity Centre, Arbinger Place, Lewis, BN71QA. But remember, if you can't make it to Lewis, there are plenty of other groups here for you in the online realm. Wednesday evening of gaming, run by the comic shop in Crawley and hosted by Ars Truly Jason, is run via their Discord server, with gamers playing on a variety of platforms. Links can be found on the comic shop social media pages. Thursday evenings has Worthing Board Gamers up on Zoom, so go check out their socials for more information. And Mondays, as always, is Jason, Ian and the Crawley Gaming Community via their Discord server. So that's all from the two of us this week. Yes, yes, I'll go and ask Jason now. Just say goodbye to everyone, will you? And it's a goodbye from me too. So look after yourselves, meeples. Stay safe. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us again for what was a, oh, how do we say it? An interesting, deep topic? Because as Ian said, we we had to really, we, we had to rethink some of the words that we were going to use with regards to the fact that we were going to do it purely on nerds. But then it's not just about nerds, is it? No, it's one of those things where, it's difficult not to railroad it into something big or political or too broad, but it's also one of those things you can't just narrow down to one thing and single out different bits and pieces. You know, we are one big community, and that's, I think, the bit that I wanted to come through with it all. So it started from something small and became something very big and deep very quickly without really us realizing it. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a subject like that that always will, and acceptance is always a big deep topic uh, it, no matter what discussion you're having it about acceptance is huge and it's something oh, i am incredibly passionate about as am i you know mental health as well as another thing we've played around with and you know is big big part of my life and i'm sure will be a topical discussion that won't be too far on the horizon yeah and as soon as um, ian gets some time to to really sit down and, and and so that we can have a proper discussion about it because it is something we're both very passionate about we don't want to butcher that one at all not that we want to butcher anything but that <laughs> one especially is very close to both of our hearts yeah but yeah what do you guys think about it let us know on all of the social medias all that jazz you know facebook instagram twitter just search for meeple minded media uh you can also contact us on our discord links to that is in the podcast description have you got anything else you want to add today no just thank you everyone if, uh, if you've survived this long and listened to, to the to the end it's been a very unusual podcast i think for us it's very different tone from what we were planning and you know what we normally do and i'm sure it'll be back to our normal light-hearted stuff shortly yeah i mean you could expect to hear conversations like this once in a while um because there are topics like this that pop up that we do feel passionate about and that we do feel need to be discussed. Yep. Um, and this was one of them. So 
yeah, I think next week we'll be back to something a bit more lighthearted. We'll probably take the mickey out of a game that we've played or something like that, but not really too sure yet. We'll figure that one out when the time comes. But until then, thank you very much for joining us. I have been Jason. And I'm Ian. And we will see you next week. Game safe. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.